wife a little thing you turn off? <laughs> a little thing I turn on. <laughs> well, that won't make the edit, will it? Um, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <clears throat> good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good overnight. Uh, I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Oh, How very nice to be back with you, and Yeah, and likewise. Are you ignoring our overnight friends? Because you only just did morning, evening, and, and afternoon, I think. Did you? I, I would play it back, but we're recording, so... Uh, uh, sorry about that. Um, overnighters, yeah. welcome. Welcome. And I, I do, one thing I would say, I, I'm not sleeping as well over the last couple of weeks as I have been previously. I don't know whether that's... The general stress of life, um, house moves, which I think we should have its own podcast soon, really, because this has been going on, I believe, for at least six months now of our podcast experiences. It does deserve a little bit of a, a podcast in its own right, because you are, it's like you're circling, you're the only plane circling around Heathrow <laughs> and not being able to land. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Anyway, what's 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 new? What have you been up to? How is life in Ramsgate? Well, it's a funny old time, isn't it? I'm I'm, I'm growing a very long beard now. It's quite long, dear listeners. <laughs> um, and I I found myself sort of stroking it when I'm reflecting on life. I'm becoming an old an old sage. I was told that I looked like um, a, a salty old sea dog the other day. Oh. Which I thought actually, you know, no, I can, I can, I can go with that. You got um, upset when I called you Noel Edmonds, didn't you? I don't like that at all. I, I have been told that several times. Um, but for the international listeners, uh, Noel Edmonds is um, a kind of small DJ type character uh, with a beard. I think some say that he's reasonably attractive. Hmm. Um, he was not called. Type. He was nicknamed Noel Tidybeard. Um, which oh. I think you've now outgrown that. As you say, you're more of a salty sea dog. Um, so uh, I think I've gone into the salty sea dog mode. Yeah. Uh, lots of exercise, which I think is helping me to sleep. I, I am sleeping well, and have to, to to say, unlike you, but you've got a lot of lot of stuff going on in your life. I have to say, I'm walking loads as well. I'm doing on average twelve to fifteen thousand steps every day consistently. It's not, and what frustrates me is with all that walking and me eating cautiously. Don't get me wrong; I'm not uh, on a diet. Um, I'm not losing weight particularly quickly, which is quite frustrating. I would have thought the additional exercise would have supported um, the 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 healthier regime, but alas, it's not to be. I wanted to ask you a question, oh, uh, uh, because I've discovered that there are those who think veggie burgers are wrong 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 and other people who think actually that sounds like a really great idea to eat a veggie burger which camp are you in i am it's all to individual taste but i have been told these plant-based burgers are not that bad to eat as in flavor wise however um i do get frustrated when excuse the pun it gets rammed down my throat um mm. veg vegetable based food only um i am very much it is for the individual choice and shouldn't judge either way but i do judge when people that are of a particular dietary persuasion think that anybody else's view is the wrong view so i i'm not sitting on the fence but i uh so therefore i would come out in support of 
these plant-based burgers. But what what a subject um, to to bring in. I this was a curveball I didn't anticipate us talking about today, JB. Well, it's it is part of my lockdown uh, experience uh, making veggie burgers. I never thought that I would ever ever make a veggie burger, but my my wife is a vegetarian, and I do a lot of barbecuing, and I had to try to make something for her. So I I decided to try and make a veggie burger. And do you know what? I am converted, absolutely converted to veggie burgers. And if the listeners are interested, um, I will I will put the recipe uh, on the Twitter page on somewhere. Yeah, because um, it, it's absolutely delicious, really delicious. It's got sort of mozzarella and parsley and chickpeas and um, beautiful chili and lovely honey and all sorts of flavors. And honestly, it is the mozzarella melts through the burger. I'm beginning to feel a bit hungry now. Anyway, uh, if, if listeners are interested, let me know and I will uh, do a little recipe. It's, it's a barbecue burger and it's so delicious. There we go. Nice, nice. Well, we have been bar- barbecuing this side, but predominantly meat, I must admit. And we have a butchers locally, um, very good butchers, who um, supplies us an awful lot of meat. And I have to say, actually, what has come down from this lockdown is, I think, a new, newly formed habit to only shop local for meat. Um, we are probably saving about yes. 10% on supermarket prices, plus the meat of a better quality, and you're supporting local business and local employees. So for me, it's a win-win. And every Friday they do various chicken kebab skewers with different seasoning and flavors on. And I have to say, it is in the Price household, a exciting prospect as to what flavor um, a ke- chicken bap kebabs we have on any given Friday. Um, but there we go. One one final thing on the barbecue subject. Once I get, this is a subject that we could run and run and run with, honestly. But <laughs> have you ever done the beer can chicken barbecue? No. Oh, oh, and this is the most wonderful thing. Um, you 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 basically marinate your chicken, um, and then you stick a, a can of beer, half a can of beer, up its middle um so it's like putting a can up its bottom yeah and then you you place the the chicken in the middle of the barbecue um with all the all the charcoal around it um and if you've got a weber like me you've got a lid uh you just light burn off the the flames everything and then you've got your white charcoal stick stick the bird right in the middle of it with the beer can up its bum having marinated and everything put the lid on leave for about an hour ten hour 15 minutes take the lid off and you have the most delicious honestly the most delicious uh barbecue can i just ask I, I take it you open the can before you put it up its bottom <laughs> well this is the great this is the other bonus of this thing is you you have to drain half of it uh half the beer which generally goes down my neck yeah uh and the other half goes in, and then it, it Boils and bubbles and steams the inside of the bird. Whilst you've got the marinade uh, doing its thing on the outside, you've got the beer doing the thing on the inside and steaming it. And these two kind of sets of flavours merge into this most delicious concoction 
And it, I've, got, I've got a recipe for that as well, if you want that. Yes, too, please. I've, I've been doing it all lockdown. Yeah, okay, yeah. there we are. Yeah, sold to the man at the front with the blue T-shirt. Anyway, um, this week's podcast, um, the whole episode is now dedicated to barbecue. No, 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 it's not. Um, it's um, we, We've had a couple of listener questions. Not as many as we would like, by the way. And please do keep sending them in. I think um, it's safe to say with people commuting less, People are not listening to our podcast as much, but we still have good listening numbers, which is fine. But we had a great listener question, which I'm now trying to find quickly um, from Rebecca Carlton. Um, uh, and she says, um, as I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, as dads to four children each, what can leaders learn from parenting? And we thought it would be a great topic for a whole podcast rather than just a question section at the end um, and it's a big topic as well um, and I can talk um, from personal experience but of course JB not only has four children he has 30 plus years of parenting experience whereas I have um, uh, in my teens amount of experience of of education of uh, of multiple children but I certainly think there is a ton of stuff we can kick about here I wonder, um, I've, I've got my four children of my own, but I also uh, am a stepdad to two kids, two teenagers. So I've got, um, I've got six kids. This is true. Actually, four of my own and two, two additional. So for any listeners out there who, who are stepdad parents as well, I've, I've got that covered too. So in, therefore, in you in theory, experience. you theory have, you have four direct reports and two in Matrix. That is exactly. <laughs> That is exactly right. <laughs> Whereas all of mine are direct reports. I don't have any. Oh, actually, no. My 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 fourth direct report uh, has a stepfather. Uh, my oldest daughter, um, her mum's um, uh, remarried, so um, we get on very well. But yeah, it's it, it and it's funny, isn't it? Even when you put these metaphors around, what you know, for example, matrix and direct reports of children, um, there is so much. And, and I and I made a few word bullets to guide my thinking through this um, particular topic. And um, I'm conscious many of you listening are parents too. Um, so we would love um, for you in future to email us with some additional thoughts if we don't touch on it on this episode. Um, but I guess where I would like to start is um, one thing as a leader that a parent has taught me is talking about experiences, not just technicalities. Um, and what I mean by that is um, I think it is much more natural as a parent to talk about when I was a child, these are the experiences I had and this is how it relates to you. But yet I do see a number of people leaders who don't talk about their own historical experiences to help their people understand what they're trying to get across to them. And I think that feeds ultimately into authenticity. Um, and I think a lot of managers that struggle perhaps to earn the respect and the engagement of their people um, lack either experiences of the real world themselves. So maybe they've come in as a leader without having experience and that. And by the way, you can lead people where you have no experience of their particular roles, but you definitely need to have had experience of reporting into a leader. And I hate to say it. I think some of the better leaders have had good and bad managers themselves in the past, which they draw experiences from. So lesson one for me is drawing from parental experience 
helps educate your children and we should utilize similar real life stories and experiences as much as possible to help our people understand our vision, our strategy, our tactics and so on. There you go. There's a starter for six. Oh, yeah, there's quite a lot in there. And I, 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 when you talked to me about um, this idea, uh, I, I was quite excited about it because uh, one of my things in life is this term overparenting <laughs> and the overparenting trap. And I watch, observe uh, helicopter parents helicopter parents are parents who have an overwhelming desire to intrude on every aspect of a child's life and to push them into things through their own filter through their own idea of life and don't allow and enrich the child's learning through their own experience and um, so I'm not I'm not disagreeing with your point at all, Anne. I'm just um, quite interested in this dilemma facing parents and indeed leaders. To what extent do I manage or not manage? And there's a fantastic book um, by a girl called Julie Lithgott Haynes who wrote How to Raise an Adult, and. In, in that book, she talks about uh, the overparenting trap uh, and the damage that can do to a child's uh, confidence uh, and experience of life through their own abilities and capabilities, and uh, how they how they determine their uh, how they want to occupy their world. It, it, the the experience and I, and I put overpower versus micromanager as one of my other points and I think it's a good point to to perhaps um, merge these two together and I and I think um, something that JB's just said resonates hugely with me and I think a lot of micromanagers um, uh, perhaps through lack of their own confidence um, have the need to get involved in the minute detail and as a parent. Um, the risk of pushing your children away by um, micromanaging and overbearing what they should or should not be doing can have a dramatic impact on them. And, and I think actually in the workplace, those people that you are overbearing of um, and they can already ride their bike quite effectively, they end up leaving you. Of course, as a parent, your children fly the nest and then they perhaps become more distant, but they never resign <laughs> or hopefully they don't. But I would certainly say um, in a workplace, those managers that over-parent their direct reports through intervention, through telling them what they should be thinking, disempowers them. And um, I think JB makes an excellent point there that, um, you know, if you do overwhelm your direct reports with love in the professional sense, you're going to push them away, ironically, which it may not be your intent, but it but there is definitely a lesson to be learned there because I see it so often. Yes. Um, there's a there's a quote. Uh, can you bleep out stuff after this or shall I... Uh, there's a swear word I need to use. I'll make sure I do. I'll make another uh, time. Crack on. Okay. So, um, they f*** you up, your mum and dad, uh, is a quote uh, from... 
playwright, I think, author, uh, and I wish I could remember their name, but the, the, the idea of that is whatever you do, it is inevitable as a parent that you're going to screw up your kids one way or the other. And, it, and it's harsh. It's a harsh, it's a really harsh statement. But even with the best intentions in the world, uh, and, and that's where sometimes the helicopter parenting can come in, the overparenting, uh, you can create all sorts of phobias, uh, eating disorders, uh, anxieties, uh, failures of confidence, uh, or you've created something uh, that is not fit for purpose for the real world because they're so protected uh, and, they're, and they're so nurtured that when they hit the real world, they fall apart. So I, I, that statement to me has always resonated. Uh, my wife and I talk about it a lot um, because whatever you do as a parent, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's really difficult to avoid leaving some sort of impression mm. uh, that is that is not desirable. Now, how that operates in the workplace, one would hope that as a leader manager, you can have a profoundly positive effect on a member of staff uh, because you've inspired them, mm. because you've uh, known them and focused them and valued them. And they go on and do extraordinary things because they've had that environment. And I think that, that I wanted to put that distinction into this, which was that in the workplace, you do have an opportunity to make a, a long lasting, incredibly positive effect. It's not to say that you won't do that as a parent, but the risks of getting it wrong through those nurturing years are much greater. Yeah, I agree. It's it, One of the things I talk about in communications as a leader um, is that everything that you are saying is a seed in someone's mind. And depending on how profound those seeds are that you plant in your communication, some of which can stay as a seed and they don't really grow and they just sit there as a, as a distant memory. But some of the other more profound things you may say with no intent to cause consequence in someone's mind is that seed grows into this rather ugly bush that can act as a major blocker to someone's path to somewhere um, or um, actually becomes so much of a distraction. It's a weed it overbears some of the good seeds that were planted by some of the good things you've said. And therefore, as a leader, in the same way as a parent, you you have to, as you say, JB, you know, you have to be careful you don't screw up your kids. And and as you say, you know, there are some things I'm sure that I will live to regret at some point in my future when one of my kids comes back to me and says, I still remember that time when. And in fact, I remember having a conversation with my dad about a couple of years ago where I said to him, I remember when you did this to me that once. He had no recollection of it. And I said, well, that, that haunted me for weeks. Um, and, we, you know, we laugh about it now, of course. Um but, you know, it, 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 it certainly leaves, uh, and it left my, in one of those example conversations, my dad actually, it bothered him. You know, I, I didn't realise that. Sorry, I didn't re you know, but it doesn't matter, Dad. You know, we, we are, I'm as conscious, and I'm sure you are, you know. It's, it, and, and so, therefore, I guess there is a lesson here in self-awareness. Um, yes. And, and third-person awareness. In other words, what you're about to say, put, your, put, your, put the recipient's hat on for a second and think about whether that seed's going to turn into a bush um, which is beautiful and flowery and can really open up 
their their creativity and their excitement and happiness or is it going to be a weed that overbears them and actually drowns out some of the really good things that you've planted elsewhere on their map of reality i i think there's something else uh that i've i've found quite interesting particularly with my son harry actually uh who's now a, a policeman uh with the met in london he uh is an interesting case for me just to bring this up and that was that uh harry idolized me obviously uh, um as a child uh, almost to an embarrassing level you know that uh we kind of did rugby together and um you know he, he worked in the garden and kind of did lots of barbecuing and then ultimately went out drinking and stuff like that um uh i i I think it then it, it then became well, you know, Dad, you're not that great, you're not that brilliant, you're not that special. I thought I, you know, I idolised you because you know we're human beings, and you know, as as human beings, as parents, you know, sometimes we can be a bit, <laughs> I don't know, inappropriate, or we're just giving too much. Oh, don't, I oh, don't coach me, um, or whatever, you know, that kind of teenage thing, and. So all of that early uh, adoration and nothing, I couldn't do anything wrong, uh, became, oh, God, not this one again. Um, and, it, and, they, and, they, and they realized that you, you're, not, you're not perfect, that you're not that special. You're just an ordinary dad, an ordinary person. And I think that's, that's quite disappointing, actually. Um, and I'm being really honest about this. And, you know, then the next phase, uh, I think, is that they... Go. He's not. He's not perfect, um, but he's not a bad. He's not a bad fella, and he's my dad, and I love him for all his for all his good stuff and all his shit stuff and everything else. I just I just love my dad, and you know, I think I think there are three distinct uh, points in in that. You know, that the early you know your parent can. As long as you don't do anything seriously wrong, you know, parent is a pretty, pretty amazing, spectacular, psychologically safe place to be for on the whole. Mm. You know, there are some horror stories, but and then they then they go into this, well, get off my back, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they come round to actually respecting you and quite liking you. And I just wonder, you know, whether that in the workplace you know how sometimes you have uh, newbies who come into an organisation and they, they, they attach themselves, they, they're ma magnetically drawn to somebody who they idolise and they, and they want to, to take everything that they can from this person and they get everything that they need and they reach this point and they think, well, I've got nothing to learn uh, from this person anymore and it all goes a bit sort of flat uh, and they might go move into another department or whatever. And then they look back at that person and they think, you know, that was all throughout that. She was really decent to me or he was really decent to me. And I, I you know, really respect them for that. I just wonder whether there's a, a similar thing that might happen at work. I've always wondered that, you know, about relationships with a boss, mm. this early adoration, idolization potentially, and then a, a settling down of that. Um, and you know, sometimes I think that that can be quite frustrating. 
and I think that's a danger spot for managers at that point when when all the things have been learned. There's nothing more here for me, and then they can get a bit cross. And then the, the, I think that's the dangerous point in the in the relationship, yeah. stretching that analogy. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so the next one on my list. Yes. Crisis leadership. Um, as parents, you will inevitably have situations where you have to stand up and be a good leader. A, a sense of stability and certainty is really important, I think, in play here. Um, think of a relative um, being critically ill or potentially passing away or passing away. Think of situations where there is a emergency within your household and one of your children is caught up in one of these situations um how you hold yourself these are the seeds that are going to stick in someone's mind either as a seed or as an ugly bush and how you handle it i think is is critical <clears throat> so for me crisis leadership is something that i think as a parent um i think there is almost this instinct well i've i've found instinctively um you can be a very good leader as a parent when you know and your crisis leadership can be sometimes better than your business as usual leadership as a parent um and i think um from that perspective um you know that can be quite powerful to take as a lesson in the workplace what do you think well i see quite a lot of parents uh see parenthood as one ginormous crisis the whole thing the whole the whole beginning to end is is just a series of uh things that that they can call a crisis in their lives you know <laughs> they 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 didn't realize just what parenting was all about and let's be honest and it is a an incredibly tough thing to bring other people into this world who you are responsible for and no wonder you know some people uh, go into perpetual crisis uh, because they are uh, paranoid and neurotic uh, about the risks that might affect this baby, this child, this young adult. Uh, and it makes it almost impossible for them to live their lives effectively. They are so stressed and so anxious. Um, and I'm always kind of reminded of the metaphor of you know if we could ever fly again but you know when you're uh, flying and there's there's a there's a whole load of turbulence and down come the masks the instruction yeah is to put the mask on yourself first and uh i quite like that as a metaphor and that is you know look after yourself um be 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 careful with yourself uh, because, you know, if, if you're not taking in the oxygen, if you're not breathing, uh, then you're going to be absolutely useless, uh, for, for everybody else. And I, I, I know quite a lot of parents, uh, who are, uh, in therapy. And I think it's brilliant that they are, uh, because, you know, they have massive challenges. Uh, with with the bringing up of these wonderful wonderful things, wonderful human beings, um, but but also navigating through all the stresses and strains of life, and now even more so because the uncertainties 
of life right now are enormous. There is no normal in life now. And, you know, this whole uh, corona crisis, uh, I think even even if at the beginning of the corona crisis, I, I hear some CEOs saying it galvanized my thinking, it's, it, it was actually a time for me to really rethink uh, the way that uh, I work with my people, blah, 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 blah. And then, inevitably, they go into uh, another form, another state, and that is, I, I, I am regressing. Mm. All of that initial excitement, enthusiasm, right, and we can get through this. Uh, we can be clear about it. We can just shut this down, move that around, change all of this. Um, I've I, again. I've talked to a lot of people who are in this sort of state of regression at the moment. They're just thinking, "Oh shit!" And and part of that is because no one can see uh, the true end. There is there is you know we might be thinking we're 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 uh, coming out of lockdown, but actually I think there is a suspicion that there might be another wave or two. In which case, when you think about your children and your people, that is an enormous amount of pressure for people to deal with right now. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think, helpfully feeds itself also into the the phrase you use a lot, JB, which is know me, focus me, value me. And I yeah. think uh, as a parent, we hopefully, well, <laughs> this is a lesson both ways, actually, if you're a parent and not thought of this either. It's about knowing, focusing and valuing your, your kids, um, n- knowing what makes them tick, um, knowing them well enough uh, to drive them in the right way and the right behaviour. Um, focus them on the things that you know that are important um, and make them feel focused and focus them on the things you know that they can make a difference, which obviously translates into them feeling valued as a as a contributor to life, etc. So, uh, and I think that there is there is a lot of synergy in what you've just said to, to, to the know me, focus me, value me stuff. Absolutely. And that's uh is you know even even when it's hard sometimes is that sort of regular contact uh with that agenda in mind you know to 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 know to know your kids um and you know, a lot of that is for me anyway my experience of of my my own children is to continually ask them uh you know really really good questions about uh, their their world and it's that that sounds so obvious doesn't it but sometimes I think we forget yeah um, because we 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 we're so worried or we're we're you know we're kind of thinking oh, well they're okay they're fine um, but I, I through this crisis through the corona crisis I have um, I am the one that has been contacting my kids a lot um, you know and you know that that is reciprocal not not all of them. Um, because they're busy and um, so on, but they they call at different times, which actually raises another point, which I'll, I'll get to. Um, I, I think that the frequency of contact, um, so that so that you can really just keep on track with how they are, um, whether they're kids or or direct reports or people in your business, just just the frequency, uh, I think, is important, so that you can know what's going on in their minds and just going a little bit deeper, being prepared to ask maybe questions that are a little bit um more challenging sometimes but 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 supportive 
Uh, and, you know, in a, in a business context, keeping up the, the focus on objectives and so on might apply to kids as well. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and the valuing, you know, that just, just demonstrating that you, you value them in all sorts of different ways, even if it sounds a bit cheesy, particularly with kids. Uh, they like it. Oh, Dad, they stop they it. do. <laughs> oh yeah, they do that. It's like, oh, Dad. Yeah, but I just want you to know that. Blah blah blah. And they, it's good. It's. I think. I think that's an important thing to do. The other. The other point that I that I've just sort of um, reminded myself about is the the no one size doesn't fit all. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have four kids and two step kids and. They are all entirely different. You know, they, they are, it's extraordinary how different they are. They, four of them came out of the same pod, but they are uh, incredibly different and their needs are very, very different. Mm. My, my eldest daughter, Emily, uh, is a, is a opera singer and she started singing when she was, God, I don't know, three or four, I think. Uh, most of it was screaming in the back of the car. Uh, but God, she had some lungs on her. And anyway, she was determined right from 14, 15 to be an opera singer. She decided that's what she was going to do, uh, inspired by bits of opera she'd heard. And uh, and that went on through her, her teens and her latter teens. And, and we're all a bit worried. Like, have you not got a, backup. a second <laughs> a backup? I don't want one. I don't need one. And... You know, so we kept on saying, you need a backup, Em, you need a backup. But she refused. She absolutely refused because her utter focus uh, was to be an opera singer. What did she go and do? She became an opera singer. And that was her. But that that just letting go of the idea of you need a backup, eventually we did. Uh, and it was immensely risky. We, we just couldn't bear it. But um, we let her go. And, and she did it. But for for an, for another child that I can think of, that would have been wholly inappropriate, and, and you know we would have we would have had to have really taken that in hand a bit more. Interesting. So one size does not fit all. Certainly, when you've got as many as four kids no. in your family. And I think our survey said most of our listeners direct reports are between four and six. So you know these are numbers that aren't in, uh, di- hugely different to JB's brood. So you know there you go. Um, my my final yeah. one, um, and there are, by the way, hundreds. But I thought, what what is the most interesting to kick around as a topic for, which could make a difference to to leaders listening, would probably be my final one, which is be human and fun. Um, I think uh, a lot of managers presume that being professional means that there can't be any element of of emotion um, and or humour and fun in what you do. Um, you've got to remember that most of your direct reports will spend more time communicating with you in many working days than they do their own family and children anyway. Um, And therefore, um, for me, I try and be as true to myself as I am in the workplace as I am at home. Now, of course, professional conduct is important, but you can certainly push those boundaries into your style. And I think it has, again, it comes back to authenticity. Um, you know, do you do you have you know? And it, and I do see some people that almost have these alter egos at work um, versus home. And then you 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 know, I've been to people's houses that I've worked with for years, and I've only seen the the alter ego at work. And it was from going to um, this one guy's house um, a few years ago now, 
and I met him. He invited us to a barbecue. Um, he invited uh, all of his direct reports to a barbecue and their families and his family. Um, and he obviously been, had an idea of to do this. Uh, and there was a completely different side to the person that made me like him more than I would have done previously. And when I was leaving that company, um, I um, said to him during you know one of my final meetings, I got had a reasonably good relationship with him, but I didn't know him to that intimate level. And I and I said, do you mind me saying something that might seem a little inappropriate, but I want to say it to you anyway? Is why do I not see that person I saw that Sunday more in work? Because I suspect more people would work for you for longer if they did. Um, and he was taken aback by that statement. I mean, don't get me wrong, at the time I was in a senior management position, but I didn't, I certainly wasn't at his level. Um, and um, incidentally, about four months after I'd left, he was trying to get me to come and work. He'd then moved on to another company as well, and he tried to get me to go and work for him at that place, which didn't materialise. But we had a beer, and he was the person I met at the barbecue, not um, in in the in the management position. And what's also interesting is he had a third ego of stakeholders that were junior to him versus his own direct reports. Um, people felt that didn't report to him that he was a good guy, but he knew he had to keep them on side to be able to have them engaging with him versus his own direct reports, which were dependent on him for a job. And so there was these different alter egos. And I think if he had the well, he remo- the direct report ego was not healthy. The, the the ego he had for his stakeholders that were junior to him and his family were the perfect combination for me what would have made a very successful leader. He's a successful leader and he still is a successful leader. And I wonder since then if there has been an improvement in authenticity. I may be ballsy enough to send him this episode saying, have a listen, you're featured in it. <laughs> I probably won't. Although if he does listen, he will inevitably message me. And I know that there are some people that also reported into him that do listen to this podcast who may well message me as a result of that saying, I know who you're talking about. I uh, I, I want to admit something. And uh, I, I, it was, it's a learning for me, from my experience of being a dad with four kids. And I, I think it's something that my generation, um, being 98, uh, is <laughs> kind of a, a left a mark on me. And it, with I, I got three girls and a son from my own kids. And um, so all the kind of things like rugby and sailing and kite surfing, there was this kind of thing and, and I think I think we've, we, we're all complicit in this, that that would be Harry and me. You know, that's what my son and I would do. We'd go and do the kind of male, what we thought were the male kind of things to go and do. Um, and I, I didn't mean to exclude my girls from that. Um, but I didn't, I don't think I invited them to replace Harry. I think it just became cultural that Harry and I would go off and try skydiving or uh, that we'd always go and do the rugby thing together. It was our kind of bonding thing. And if it, it, I, I think if I could retrace my steps on that, uh, I would I would have alternated or spread myself a little even more thinly um, because 
some of my girls uh, are really sporty and interested in sailing and stuff like that and would have loved to have done the kite surfing. But I, I think I let that be the way. And I regret that. And I just think that shows, uh, and that's me being really honest about it, I, I think it shows that it's quite easy uh, to stereotype, to say, well, that's what they do and that's what they do. So so uh, the point about that message, I think, is don't, don't be afraid of changing the setting, mm. changing the location, changing the environment. And people, people will think about, you know, the value of getting around a, a table and having a barbecue, having lunch, having dinner. And you, and you see how your family works at a, at a lunch table, at a dinner table. Uh, I think, you know, when I look back and uh, changing the setting to a ski slope, how my ch children behave differently and how Harry, who was very quiet at the time uh, around the lunch table, uh, would be a lot more vocal on a ski slope and trying stuff and doing spins and turns and jumps and and, and engaging in different ways than he would uh, at the lunch table. I think there's something that we can take from that in the workplace where yeah. change the setting, don't be afraid to change the setting to get to get more opportunity for people to show their true selves. It's There's fun. a learning it, for me. It, it, it's, it's a really valid one and it's funny, isn't it? Because as you were saying that, I'm reflecting you've got, of your own, three girls and a boy and I've got three boys and a girl. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, so... Do we have enough for our listeners to go away and reflect on at this point, do we think? Well, I, um, I, I'm, I'm going to announce that I've got a, a granddaughter coming. Um, I found out last week that I knew I, I knew, knew I was having a grandchild, but it's a, it's a granddaughter. Oh, um, so 20 week scan has been done. Congratulations. Yeah. And oh, my God, it's such a beautiful thing. It really is. The scan just um just i'm so excited about this it's due in october uh, she's, she's due in, due in october <laughs> <laughs> i can say she now yeah. um she's due in october and i i i am massively uh, in favor of uh, gender neutrality so i i will not be buying her a pink um onesie uh and stuff like that and i know her mother uh, will be exactly the same. In fact, she said in a in a text the other day that she's going to. Um, well, maybe this is around the wrong way. I don't know, but she said she's she's going to teach it to be a tomboy like her. Now, I, I think it was a joke, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think what she's saying is that you know no sort of stereotypical shit is coming my way. Mm. Uh, this baby is going to have all the chances and all the opportunities of. Uh, it being a great human being and i'm quite excited about being part of part of this next generation and and all the things i learned from the first go uh i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna make amends for that in this one so now you're becoming a leader of leaders oh god oh it's a what, just because i've got a granddaughter i think you but yeah you've effectively there's a promotion another promotion up the ladder isn't there now you are in a you're you're at the same uh, hierarchy level, but there is another set of direct reports beneath your previous direct reports. That's that's funny, isn't it? I, I, this whole 
kind of corona thing and the opportunity to to, to rethink to reflect and um just get things a little bit straight here and there i'm building a studio in the back of my garden i'm doing it from scratch uh i'm growing a beard i'm probably going a bit weird i'm getting fit probably going a bit uh, weird I've, what do you mean going <laughs> i've got a i've got a, a granddaughter coming this is this is a massive massive change of life here uh and and i i, I am mostly very excited about it but at the same time you know, dealing with all the the anxieties of, around me, and and um, you know some of the, the the awful awful stories that are that are happening at the moment in the world. It's a, it's a it's a weird time, don't you think, Ant? Yeah, it is. There's an all you know, and, and we look at some of the political unrest that's happening in certain parts of the world, which will remain a nameless for therefore it having longevity. Because I'm sure this will resonate with you around the world in the future, listening to this podcast, but. You know, you've got the, the the COVID pandemic. You've got political unrest in some of the Western societies right now, um, and it is, I think, and it's testing as a parent and as a leader as to when you are asked these moral questions about a position on things, like you did at the beginning, by the way, on the plant-based um, burgers. You know, um, yeah. It, it 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 brings it brings values. And that value filter engine in your head much more prominently to the front of your thinking than it has done probably for, I'd say, a generation before. You know, I don't think since 9-11 there has been such a period of reflection about the world we live in, um, in, a, in a personal sense. I, I find um, there's, a, there's a, a, an even stronger polarisation of opinion in the world right now. Um, whether whether I'm talking about social groups, uh, family, uh, people I've worked with, um, there there are very strong opinions, uh, and and I I am exposed to a polarity of opinion, um, and I think as leaders uh, we we need to be able to facilitate and manage. Uh, ever stronger uh, polarity of views and opinions in the workplace, because what's going on in the world, I think, is is creating uh, different different tribal views, different tribal opinions uh, that people hold dear. Uh, and I think in the workplace, and I say workplace, you know, this is whether it's virtual or not, we have to manage that. We have to be able. Uh, to shut it down if it needs to be shut down, um, but also to to work with it, um, and perhaps sometimes to actually explore it um, and bring it out. But it, it might be another podcast, to be honest with you. I think it is about how how a leader needs to to actually deal with that uh, because it's becoming quite a big thing. Mm, it is. It is. We're getting to the top of our hour now as oh. as ever um and um i guess at this point it is worth pointing out that we are always open to your questions and topics for future episodes you can get in touch with us with globe at global leadership pod sorry the email address is global leadership podcast at gmail.com or you can find myself or jb on various social media platforms twitter we have a small following of about i think it's about 100 people followers now which is lead learn pod um so um, feel free to subscribe to us there pitch questions to us 
um, and also ideas for future episodes. Um, and we try and bang one of these out a week. I know we've been a bit hit and miss of late, but as we are all appreciating in these unprecedented times, our attentions are being drawn to parenting skills and leading our people through these periods of change. What's your plans for the next, uh, and, and well, between now and our next recording, JB? Well, so uh, we've got, uh, well, I've got, with some other uh, people that I know, uh, a book that is now ready to go. Uh, we are um, in, the, in the sort of latter stages of, of getting the thing published. Uh, that book uh, will be out. Uh, I'm not, this isn't a plug, by the way. Should uh, be. It, it, it'll From be, W.H. It'll Smith be, and all good airport retailers. <laughs> it'll, it'll be out uh, no later than July. And we're, I'm quite excited about it. It's quite a cool book. I won't, I won't push it right now, but uh, that's, that's occupying my life a little bit. But the big thing in my life is getting this studio built. And it is a mission uh, to build it myself from scratch. I'm not buying one in, I'm doing it from scratch. And I've got the electrician to come, coming tomorrow. It's all very exciting. Your materials cost is how much, by the way, on this build? The budget that I have allocated for this is £4,000 in British money. And if you're building it from scratch, that actually is a pretty healthy budget because normally materials for these prefabricated things are not that bad. It's the installation. So actually, if this is all going on materials and the labour is coming from yourself, this is gold-plated garden offices, my friends. And a lot of it, uh, so I'm I'm keeping the cost down by by doing quite a lot of salvagey stuff. So it is environmentally friendly. Hmm. Um, it is bits and bobs that I'm sort of getting from others. So I've got some doors coming. Nice, some asbestos um, ceiling to install. Yeah. I've got an asbestos ceiling that I'm putting in, um, and uh, loads of loads of bits of wood that I'm getting from people. So it's going to be quite interesting looking on the outside. It's going to look kind of like a, a an old rotten old shed, uh, but the inside is going to be amazing. It's Carpeted going to be state of the art. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. That's where the money's going on in the inside, not the outside. Nice, nice. Very good, very good. Well, um, uh, please, guys, do submit your questions via the email address. Also, um, if you love the podcast, please do give us a five-star rating. It helps us be more visible on these various podcast platforms. And also share the podcast links with friends. If you've got people that are looking to listen to something different, if you think we're good at what we do, please feel free to share it because your listening numbers are always welcomed to make me and JB feel known, focused and valued. Isn't that right, JB? Oh, yes. I like that little ending there with the know me, focus me, value me. Don't be a helicopter parent. Don't be a helicopter boss. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.